Hey, you guys have your Bibles, your Bible apps this morning. Let's all turn to Joshua chapter 3. And before I start breaking down crying, let's pray. God, we do thank you, Lord, that it is finished. We thank you that it's done. You've brought us close to the Father. And Lord, we thank you for your word to light into our feet, guides our path. Lord, we thank you for that. I just pray an anointing this morning to be faithful to share what you've been doing in my life and be faithful to share how you prove how faithful you are in Scripture and in our lives. So help us, Lord. Be with us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What a season it's been with the Lord. As a church family here at Reality Ventura, but also in my immediate family. He's taken my family through some crazy, incredible highs and through some really deep, deep valleys. We've seen God move in mighty ways in our church gatherings. We've seen some marriages being healed and revived. And I've personally seen addictions being broken and shackles being broken. We've experienced the the presence of God in tangible ways here at church, but also outside of the four walls of the church. We've experienced the presence of God. It's been a radical season. But also as a family, we've experienced tremendous loss. Relationships that were once so close before aren't what they used to be. We've had dear friends battle cancer. We've had other friends bury loved ones. Many of you know that just one year ago, my younger brother Miguel took his life. And over the course of this past year, it's been a season of grieving and of mourning, of healing and clinging to God. And we sense his presence, we celebrate at the same time. It's crazy. We rejoice. It's been a season of helping my wife and my kids see Jesus through all of this. It's been a season of shepherding a hurting sister and mourning parents through all of it. And one of the main things that we have been taught as a family is that God is faithful. My family and I aren't the only ones who could say this in here. I know that. Each one of you, you've all experienced the joy, the joy that what it is to to pursue Jesus. We've all experienced that joy. We've also experienced the heartbreak and the disappointment of living in a fallen world. Living in this already but not yet kingdom of God. But that's what God calls us into this life, right? He calls us into walking in joyful obedience to rest in His promises, to find confidence in His faithfulness. And He calls us to trust Him in the unknown and the scary. And what I'm here to share with all of us this morning is that in all that He is calling us to, He promises to be with us through all of it. He promises to be with us. A few weeks ago, I shared how my family and I were on sabbatical this past summer. And on the tail end of that sabbatical, my family and I were able to connect with my parents uh, to spend some extended time in Hawaii. 
It seemed like this perfect plan, right? You get my parents, getting them out of their town, getting them out of their normal routine, and it was an opportunity for my family to serve my parents, and so we can spend time together, we can heal together, I could point them to Jesus, we could do this without like the interruption of like life. And we timed it so it would coincide with the reality Honolulu prayer tour, right? So it was like this epic vacation that we were kind of putting together with like 60 or more of our best friends in the whole world that were going to join us at some point in time. It was like this amazing thing that we were looking in front of us. It seemed like just what the doctor ordered in order to get us ready for this new season here at Reality Ventura when we got back. So when the Lord started stirring us in this call to the north shore of Oahu, we were really surprised. In fact, we were a little confused. I mean, things were going well. There were some difficult things, but things were going well. We were following the Lord as a family and as a church, and some things were actually getting pretty exciting. God was doing this really fresh work here at Reality Ventura, our eighth year of existence, and he was calling us into some new things, right? We went from having this screen teaching us to now you've got like these guys teaching live. It was like this new thing, this new fresh thing that God was doing. And personally, as an elder pastor here, God was stretching me. Like being in front of you guys, that's scary. That's not my favorite thing to do, but God was like doing this thing, and it was, man, it was rad. We were growing. And not just us, you guys. We're growing. We were in the process of becoming this autonomous church, which Dom described a few weeks ago, and it was we were discovering, we were discovering what it was to be, what it was to be this prepubescent teenager, right? Dom was how we're not this like brand new baby church, but we're not this forty year established church. We were figuring all of that out. And on a personal front, my wife Michelle, she was discovering her voice in our family, something that we've been working on and praying through over the course of the year. So in that, she starts teaching this gnarly fitness class at the local gym, and some of you guys are crazy enough to join her in that whole thing. So there's like these neat things that God was doing in our life. Our son, our son, my son Joshua, he's 13 now, he was probably in the best position that he's ever been in his life. You know, he's loving school, you know, props to the Beacon Hill family. Like, he was loving being at Beacon Hill, and, and, and he's loving being at youth groups. So, Kevin and all you leaders, man, praise God for you guys. He was growing in his knowledge and his love for God and God's people. And our 10-year-old daughter, Naomi, she was still running the show, calling the shots, calling her parents out. So, I guess that's kind of normal. It's just always been the case. But there was, like, good things happening in our life. Why in the world would God do this now? All that to say, we felt that God was giving this season of rest to us during our sabbatical so that we would charge the hill hard when we got back to Ventura and charge hard in the same things that he put in front of us already. But now he's like stirring us into this unknown adventure it was confusing. And it brought to my mind the story of Joshua and the Israelites in Joshua chapter 3. You guys remember this story? You know, Joshua, Moses' successor, right, is about to lead God's people into the promised land. So he takes two million Israelites to the edge of the Jordan River, and they're supposed to cross. And the scene is daunting. 
The river is raging. There's giants on the other side of the river. And the cities on the other side of the river have these massive fortified walls. And there I was, holding my wife's hand, standing at the edge of my Jordan River, looking at this surprising new unknown. And instead of this raging river, it was like the massive waves of the North Shore. Instead of the giants in the land, there were these huge strongholds that were holding the people of the North Shore captive. Instead of the fortified walls of the city, there were walls in people's hearts built up from, hu- from hurt and disappointment, anger and bitterness. So let's read that chapter together. I'll be preaching out of the New Living this morning. Let's start with verse 1. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Let's stop right there for now. So the backdrop in this account here is this. Forty years earlier, God uses Moses to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt, right? He's sending them to the promised land, the land of Canaan. And when Moses, before they cross, he sends out 12 spies, right? He sends out 12 spies. And only two spies, only two spies, Joshua and Caleb, return with a favorable report that they should go ahead and attack this land like God said, because God is going to deliver. Only two. And we can read about Joshua and Caleb's report in Numbers 14. It's going to be on the screen for you here. Starting with verse 7. The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless. Pray to us. That's so awesome. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. I love that. Spirit of Caleb. The confidence and boldness of Joshua. But the other ten spies gave a horrible report. They actually instilled fear in the nation and eventually rebellion in the Israelites. And that led God to refuse to allow them and that generation to ever step foot in the promises, which led to 40 years in the wilderness. And now in our text today, that whole generation, that rebellious generation, they had died off and only Joshua and Caleb remained. And God was preparing his people to walk in the promises he gave to their ancestors 40 years before that. So there's this excitement, there's this nervousness, there's this anticipation, there's this age-old promise from their Father in heaven about to be realized. The nation of Israel packed up their things. They travel seven miles from the Acacia Grove, and they go to the edge of the river. We're talking two million people. Let me, and all their cargo, right? Just imagine the scene. Guys, the city of Ventura is about 109,000 people. The county of Ventura, the county of Ventura is 823,000 people. The nation of Israel at that time was over two million people. 
Just getting them all on the same page and going into the same direction and staying put when they're supposed to. That's an act of God in itself. And so they, when they get to the edge of the Jordan, they're staying there for three days and they're waiting for further instructions. As we read in further uh, le- verses later, they came to see that the Jordan that was normally only 100 feet wide, normally it's only 100 feet wide, they come to see it and it's raging, right? It's overflowing because it was the harvest season and now it's over a mile wide. That's pretty intimidating. And I see myself so vividly in this picture. You know, during our sabbatical, Michelle and I thought God was doing all this rad stuff in our hearts so that we can go back to a a familiar place, a familiar city, a familiar neighborhood, a familiar people, but with like this fresh new work and unction to do it. And that was totally fine with us. That is totally fine. If that's what God had for us, there's nothing wrong if that was what God had for us. But we were led to the edge of the river. And we were looking at something that we had never seen before. And we were being called by our good shepherd to step into something unfamiliar. We'd never been this way before. And it was totally okay that we hadn't been this way before. Because God was with us. We totally sensed his presence. And we knew that he was faithful. And so in our story, the Israelite officers, they go through the camp and they give further instructions for the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Up until this point, the Israelites were being led by God through a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If the pillar moved, then the people were supposed to move. If the pillar stayed put, then they're supposed to stay put. Now God was going to change things up a little bit. He was going to lead them in a different way, but he was still leading them. He was still leading them. The pillar of cloud was never to be seen again. Just like God was changing the way that he was going to provide for them. When they crossed the Jordan and they entered into the land of Canaan, manna, you guys remember the manna? Manna was never seen ever again. He was going to lead his people with the ark, and he was going to provide for them with the fruits of the land. If you guys were here last Sunday, Sean mentioned that the people of Israel, you know, Palm Sunday, uh, the people of Israel were looking to Jesus uh, for this military and governmental takeover, right? They were looking for that. But Jesus had a totally different assignment. He came to overthrow the kingdom of darkness. He didn't come to conquer Rome. He came to conquer sin, death, and Satan. And in our passage here today, God was the same, doing the same thing again, doing things different than how we would do it. Although he was going to overthrow these Canaanite kingdoms, he wasn't necessarily focused on the military aspect of the mission. He wasn't focused on that. God was focused on the supernatural. He was focused on the spiritual. He was focused on what was going to give him the most glory. So instead of having the military leaders and the soldiers going out and leading, which would make sense to me, he sent the priests and he sent the Ark of the Covenant out to go and lead. The Ark being the representation of God's presence. Gosh, God's ways are truly higher than our ways. So different. I mean, there was a military battle that needed to be fought and won, right? There was a military battle. But God was going to do it his way. God was going to do it his way. He was going to do it in the supernatural. He was going to do it in the miraculous. And sometimes we see he's doing it in the unseen. 
do I expect God to work in this way in my life? Do I trust that He's working even when I don't see it? When I don't see it and I don't feel it, do I trust that He's working? And am I willing, am I willing to follow Him when He works in ways that I don't expect? Am I willing to follow Him? And these were real questions I had to ask myself. And I, I challenge you guys to ask those same questions. Are you, are you expecting God to work this way in your guys' lives? Do you trust Him even when He's working in a way that maybe you don't see? When it doesn't seem like He's working at all, do you trust Him? And are you willing to follow Him when He works in a way that's contrary to what you're expecting? And so when the Israelites saw the ark and the priest, they were to leave their positions and follow. This means that they must have been in position in the first place. They must have been in position in the first place. There weren't any further steps or directions at that moment, but they had positions to hold. They had positions. And so when I was studying this passage, I felt the Lord was saying, even though, Paulo, there's so many unknowns in this new thing that I'm calling you to, be in position to follow. Be in position to follow. There was something so personal for my family and I in this. God is ending this season for us here at Reality Ventura. And He's moving us to the North Shore. When? Man, we don't know. There's so many unknowns. When? We don't know for certain. But it kind of feels like in the beginning of 2018. We're waiting to hear from the Lord on that. How is he going to move us? Man, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. The cost of living is out of the world over there. And I'm going to work for a small little country church. I'm praying for an amazing job for my wife to make up the difference, honestly. You know what I mean? Just to make up the difference. What are you going to be doing out there? Well, this we do know. The what? This we do know. We are called to serve the people of the North Shore, to shepherd them to the feet of Jesus and explain to them the love that he has for them and how in him, in Christ, they can experience true freedom. We know that. We heard that. And sometimes I ask why. I ask why. And the reason why is because in the stillness, you know, Dom was talking about just pressing pause and being still before God. Well, when we were able to do that this summer, we heard his voice. And friends, when you hear the voice of God, you have to obey. You have to obey. In the very beginning of this stirring, we didn't have all the details that we have right now. We just sensed something. It was like this restlessness, you know. But now he gave us some information, and we're headed back to Ventura after Hawaii, and it's like, what are we supposed to do? God has made it clear that we're being called to step out. How is it going to be being back here in Ventura knowing that God is doing this thing in us? What's, what's that going to be like? And so when we got back into town, my wife and I were praying, and we heard his voice again. We heard this so clearly from the Lord. He said, guys, when you get back to Ventura, just show up and be faithful. There's been some stuff that I put in front of you, and you have to be faithful in that. It was like the next step. Be faithful in some of those things. And this was our position. 
to be faithful in the things that he's already made clear. For me, it was to be faithful in this season to shepherd Reality Ventura through this change that we're all going through and to shepherd the men of this church. For my wife, it was to be faithful and to finish well in this final season in her job. And for our kids, as, as long as God would have us here, for them to be faithful and finish well at school and to be faithful and finish well in the relationships that God has called them to. And then God was saying, like, hey, do this well. Do this well. And when you see me move, when I give you additional steps, then go. And for us as a church, this reality Ventura 2.0 that Dom calls it, we all have to be in a position. We all have a position. There may be some unknowns in front of us. You know, Dom talked about some things that we straight up just don't know right now. But... But you all have marching orders today, believe it or not. You all have marching orders. God's kingdom, his, God's kingdom coming is not contingent upon reality Ventura getting everything that she needs in place. We're not, God's not going to wait for that. He's not waiting for that. We all have positions now. You know, if you're a man that's called to this church I ask you, are you faithfully putting your hand to the plow as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a disciple maker, as a single man within the body? You know, if you're called to this church, I challenge you, your position is probably to be on that men's retreat next weekend, for real. Your position is probably to be amongst the brothers seeking the Lord's will on Monday nights. I'm just saying. If you're a woman in this church, are you faithfully taking your place as a single woman, if that's where you're at, as a wife, as a mother, as a leader, as a disciple maker? Are you faithfully putting your hand to the plow in that? If you're a young adult, if you're single or you're married, are you taking your position and actively waiting on the Lord, doing what he clearly has said to you in the immediate while we see God do what's going to be clear for the next step for us as a church? Are we taking our positions today, now? Don't fall into the trap of like, hey, when things start to settle down and when things become a little bit more clear, then I will go ahead and take my position. Dude, if you're going to wait till then, you're going to miss it. You're going to be missing out. Don't wait. God has something for you now. So let's take our positions, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, and let's walk in faith. Verse 4 has some very comforting words in our passage for the people of God. He says this, Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Speaking of the ark and the priest, right? Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, and make sure you don't come any closer. This was unfamiliar, brand new territory for the nation of Israel. And God knew that. God totally knew that. He, being the good shepherd, knew that the sheep get skittish right? The sheep get skittish. And God always provides a guide. So the priests carrying the ark were symbolic of God leading his people. No more pillar of cloud or fire, but the priests carrying the ark. And I could hear God saying to me, Paulo, it's totally okay that you haven't been this way before. It's totally okay that you don't know anyone in that area. It's okay that you haven't been in this position before. It's okay that you haven't been faced with these decisions or these predicaments before. I am with you and I will lead you. Do we hear that this morning for each of us personally? Do we hear that as a church family? I am with you. I will lead you. Here's another more pointed question 
when God says that to you, I am with you and I will lead you, is that enough for you this morning? Is that enough for you? Or do you need the five-year plan? My family and I had to ask ourselves this over and over again. Is God being with us and Him leading us, is that enough for my family? We don't really know anyone on the North Shore of Oahu. I mean, we have a few good friends there now since the time that we spent there this summer, but we really don't know anybody. Our immediate family is here. My blood family is in the mainland. You guys, you're here. Our church family, you're all here. We got saved here, my wife and I. Our realizing that God's family is deeper than blood relations, we realize that it's here with you guys. And it's scary leaving all of that behind. It's terrifying. But God says to my family, I know you haven't been this way before, but I am with you. I'm with you. So we have this closeness of the good shepherd, and at the same time, at the same time, we are to have awe and reverence to our holy king, right? What does he say to him? Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. There is this reverence we're supposed to have to our God. He's close and he's intimate for sure, but we're supposed to have this reverence. I am with you, so don't be afraid. And I am the mighty Jehovah, holy and righteous. I take that as like, don't let the closeness and the acceptance that we have in the gospel cause us to lose the sense of awe and reverence that we're supposed to have to a holy God. We, we tend to become too casual sometimes, even lazy or apathetic in our approach to God. And, and that's the tension that we're dealt with every day. And Joshua addresses this in, the next, uh, in his next command in verse 5. He says this, Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Other translations say, Sanctify yourselves, right? Set yourselves apart for the purposes of God. Recognize that God is holy and good and righteous. And recognize that apart from Him, we're not. We're not. And he's even saying, like, go through this physical ritual to recognize this truth and to walk in it. You serve a holy God, and He is going to do amazing things. Approach with awe and reverence. Man, that's so different than the way I approach God and the work that He's called me to. Embarrassingly, it's so different than what I do. What would our lives be if we did that? All of us here. What would our lives look like if while we were getting ready in the morning... We would allow the Holy Spirit to do that, that sanctifying work in us every morning, purifying us, so that our hearts would be ready to receive and ready to witness and worship God as He moves in and through us. What would it be like? Our lives and the way that we approach and view our jobs and those that are in our neighborhoods, wouldn't it, wouldn't it change just a little bit if we rolled this way? Embarrassingly, it would change in my life. And so Joshua has the Israelites sanctify themselves to be ready to be used by God and to witness God do these mighty things in their midst. 
Continuing in verse 6, In the morning Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out and went ahead of the people. Verse 7, The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Again, the ark was a representation of the presence of God who was going to lead his people across the Jordan and into this next season of claiming the land of Canaan. And God gives this really intimate and personal promise to Joshua. I am going to make you great today. I am going to convince my people that I am with you just as I was with Moses. I am going to do this, not you, not you, Joshua. And I remember asking the Lord this summer, like, wait, really, Lord? You are confusing me right now. You're calling me to the North Shore. Are you kidding me? I don't know anything about the North Shore except stuff that I watched from that movie that came out in the 80s. You guys remember that weird movie that came out in the 80s? It was like, it was kind of a spoof. It was like supposed to be kind of sarcasm and all that. I believed it to be true. I watched that thing like a thousand times. So my whole opinion of what the North Shore life was was from a movie in Hollywood. So it's crazy. I don't know anything about the North Shore. Everything about that place is so intimidating to me. Again, I told you, I don't know anyone over there. The cost of living is astronomical over there. The community is hard to break into. Hawaii is hard ground, spiritually speaking. The waves will kill you. And did I mention, did I mention it's expensive? And when I hear this, when I hear this little rant, I'm like, man, Paula, you sound like those ten other spies that gave that bad report to Moses. And so the Lord brought me to this passage in Joshua, and he told me, Paulo, I am going to do this. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will do this, and I will go before you. Take a step into the river. It's a personal invitation to more of me. And that should be water to our souls if you hear that from the Lord. Verse 9, so Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. I love how Joshua knew it was all about the Lord, right? He was just told by God, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you a great leader in the eyes of the people. But he charges the Israelites in the way like he just knew it was all about God. Look, God is leading you. He doesn't take any of that for himself. He says, God is leading you. Look, God is going to drive out the people groups that are living in the land. That's true humility. True humility is understanding and recognizing that what is going to happen through you will be great. Don't downplay that. Don't downplay that. But you need to direct the praise and the worship and the glory back to God. That's true humility. 
Church, God is going to do great and mighty things in your midst this coming season here at Reality Ventura. You know, more people are going to be saved. More marriages are going to be healed. More missionaries are going to get sent out. More of His presence are going to be experienced by His people. More people are going to be living on mission and sharing the gospel to the lost. That's going to happen. Do we need, as His people, we need to expect it. We need to embrace that. And we need to be in awe of God when it happens. And we need to give the glory back to God because He's worthy. Do you guys notice how God only gave His people that next step to take? You guys pick up on that? You guys see how God wasn't giving them that five-year plan. He just gave them that next step. I mean, God, he told them the end game. He was going to lead them into the land that flowed with milk and honey. He told them that. He told them that he was going to drive out the people. But when it came to what they had to do, he only gave them that next step. He only gave them that next step. Proverbs 16 says that we can make our plans, but God will direct our steps. Psalm 32, 8 says this, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. And sometimes, guys, the way he guides us, the way he guides us is only by showing us that next step. Not the five-year plan, sometimes not even the next two steps, just the next step that's in front of us. Are we all right with that? Are we okay with that? Because when God does this, there's a purpose in it. There's a purpose in it. He'll guide us and he'll make our paths straight. But in that whole process, he wants to develop closeness. He wants to develop a dependence on him. You know what will happen if he gave me, if he gave me the next five or six steps in this whole journey? You know what will happen? I'll either quit because it's heavy and too overwhelming, or I'll run ahead and I'll do this whole thing without him and do it in my own strength. And both options are not good, right? Both options are not good. And that's how it's been in our process right now. I mean, we're in Hawaii with my family, with my parents during our sabbatical. We're resting and we're enjoying the Lord together. We're healing. It's rad. I could see my parents like actually healing before my very eyes. And then all of a sudden he just like throws this little stirring into the mix. I'm like, what? Then one day during the Reality Honolulu tour, God confirms that Michelle and I were to start praying about what this stirring really meant. You know, for several years, I've known about Reality Honolulu, just being close to Riz. And man, I refused, during those years, I refused to even pray about Hawaii. I refused because it seemed like too much of a good thing for me. You know what I mean? Like too much fun, too much of a good fit. You know, it seemed like too much of like my idea. So I was like, I'm not even going to pray about that. That's silly. That has to be the flesh. Couldn't be from the Lord. How many of you guys have thought of certain things that way? And, you know, you're like, oh, there's no way that's from the Lord. It might be from the Lord. But now he had us praying about Hawaii. And that led to this open door to visit the North Shore for a weekend, which led to relationships being developed, which led to God saying things to other people about us, prophetic things from people we we didn't even know who they were and they didn't know who we were. And they would say these outlandish things. Spiritual, supernatural confirmations from God. There's this dude on the North Shore, I really don't know him. I knew of him because he's gnarly and big. And he came after church one day, he pulls me aside, and I thought I was in trouble. And like, I was like, oh my gosh. Wait. And the guy's like crying. And he's like, hey, the Lord is telling me 
to tell you, you belong here. You're supposed to be here. And I'm like, what? You know, it's like three days after we started praying. I remember when we got back, I, was, I had to go to the dentist, you know, and my dentist was like, hey, how's everything going? How's your sabbatical? And then, and then the next thing he goes is, so when you move into Hawaii? Somebody in our body, you know, super insightful woman of God, she comes up to my wife not too long ago and she goes, so when are you guys moving? My daughter Naomi, you know, 10 years old, you know, I think she's 17 years old, but she's 10 years old. We, we just got back from Hawaii, and I was, we, we, we uh, it was cold one morning, you know, and you kind of have to, like, acclimate a little bit, and I was like, oh, man, I got to get used to this, and she goes to me, and she says, Dad, I really think we have a future on the North Shore, and I'm like, what? <laughs> just crazy things, and in that, you know, it led us to invite other, others to join in this prayer to, like, Lord, would you lead us? in this? What is this? And that led to God confirming that He wasn't calling us to serve Him at Reality Honolulu, but He was actually calling us to the mission instead in the North Shore. And that led to Him confirming that I was supposed to take this position as one of the pastors over there, which now leads us to the very next step. In two weeks, as Dom talked about, on October 29th, we're going to fly to the North Shore, my wife and I, and we're going to meet some of the leaders over there, and we're going to take a look at some of the neighborhoods and the schools and scout out the land. And we're just praying that God would show us another step. God really has only shown us one step at a time. If He showed me all that I know now, that we know now, when I was buying tickets for my sabbatical to go in the summer, if he showed me all that I know now, I would have never pressed purchase on that thing. I would have been like, no way, that's way too much. That's way too overwhelming. How on earth would you think that I would do that? But God had a divine process for us, and God has a divine process for each one of you guys as well. We have to be okay with the times when God only shows us the very next step. And we'll see that this is all Israel really needed. Why? Because they knew that God was with them. Verse 14, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up at a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. As I mentioned earlier, Joshua and about two million Israelites were standing at the edge of the Jordan River. Man, it's pumping. There's like all this water going. Harvest season, right? Banks are overflowing. But God was calling them to take a step of faith. Hey, go cross. Go cross. Take a step with me. He invites them into more of himself. Come with me. I am faithful to my promises. And this is different. This is different than the other time that God parted waters for his people to cross, right? You guys remember the Dead Sea, or the Red Sea, I'm sorry? At the Red Sea, God parted the waters before anybody took a step. He parted the waters before anyone took a step. This time, it was going to be different. This time, God was calling them to take a step of faith. He was calling them into something deeper. Why didn't God just part the waters like he did at the Red Sea? John Corson says this, 
I am convinced it's because the language of eternity is faith. This life is only 80 years long at best, so God uses every opportunity to teach us to see and hear with eyes and ears of faith. Step out, step in, step up in faith, he says, and watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. Forty years earlier, the generation died off because of their lack of faith in God doing what he said he was going to do. This time it was different. He was inviting them into a journey of faith from the very beginning. And it's rad because God, as always, responds to the faith of the Israelites, right? They take a step into this raging river, and he does exactly what he said he was going to do. The river gets stopped up like 16 or more miles up the river. That's like from here to like carp. They couldn't see it. It was just happening. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see the water getting stopped up. They just had to take that next step that God said to do. It was, he was really clear on what they were supposed to do. But God was already working. He was already stopping up the waters up by Carpinteria. He was working in the unseen, in the out of sight. And he was proving that he indeed is faithful to himself. And God still rolls like that today. Right? He calls us to take steps of faith into things that we cannot understand, and He works in the unseen and the out of sight to glorify Himself to the maximum, right? And to increase our faith in Him. He says to us, come on, my child, take a step. Come on, take a step. I'm really inviting you into a life where you'll experience more of me. I'm inviting you into a life where you'll need me And you'll know that you need me. I'm inviting you into a life that will require faith and not sight. Someone sent me this quote earlier this week. I'm not sure who the author is, but it's such a good quote. Such a good quote. To go deeper into the fullness of life available to us in Jesus requires putting our faith and trust in God alone. We will never experience the peace of heaven if our hope is in this earth. We will never experience the power and the help of the Holy Spirit if our hope is in our own abilities, talents, and strength. We will never fully experience the satisfaction of truly being loved if we place our hope of affirmation in the opinions of others. The only path to truly experiencing the abundant life available to us in Jesus is placing our faith and trust in Him alone. It's so true. If we really want to experience all that God has for us in this life, our faith and our trust need to be in Christ alone. Verse 17, Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. God's people took a step of faith, a step of obedience. They experienced the supernatural. They experienced God's best. It wasn't like, hey, go take a step into the river. I'll lower it into a manageable level where you can kind of like wade your way through, and it'll be great, right? No, the stinking river was stopped up. The ground immediately became dry. Can you imagine having two million people and all the kids and all the livestock and all the cargo having to cross on muddy river bottom? That would have been a mess. God gave them his best. And all God wants to give you 
is His best for your life. Now, what I am not saying, what I am not saying is that if you take a step of faith, that God will make things easy and cruisy and comfortable. I'm not saying that, all right? The conquest of Canaan was anything but comfortable, all right? But God promises to never withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly, right? We just need an adjustment. We need an adjustment in our view of what good is. And God's patient, right? The priests waited in the middle of the Jordan on dry ground until all of the Israelites passed through. Remember, that's more than double the amount of people we have here in Ventura County, right? This must have taken all day. I don't even know how long. They're sitting there holding, in reverence, the Ark of the Covenant, right? It must have taken all day. And isn't that just like God? Not leaving anyone behind, right? He's saying to all of us, I will be with you even to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Because he's the good shepherd. Because he's the good shepherd. And the Israelites were invited into an adventure with God. And what this promised was a life where they would experience more of him. Yes, that meant saying yes to struggling against armies and giants and chariots and fortified cities. But it also meant saying yes to living a life of walking in faith, which is not how they lived when they were in the wilderness. It meant saying yes to experiencing the faithfulness of God and seeing Him make good on His promises. They're saying yes to that. And for us today, for us today, it's crossing the Jordan is very much the same thing, right? Taking a step of faith means saying yes to a life of more Jesus. More Jesus. Man, all I want for my family, for my daughter and my son and my wife, all I want is that we would say yes to Jesus. And that's saying yes for sure. It's saying yes to spiritual warfare and opposition to receive and experience what God has promised us. It's saying yes to living a life alive and vibrant and dynamic regardless of what our circumstances are. It's saying yes to seeing God's hand move in our lives and in the lives of those around us. It's also saying yes to experiencing His joy and His peace in our lives. Why? Because all our situations are dialed? No, because we know without a doubt God is with us. Without a doubt. For some of us this morning, you've heard God's voice. Yes, I'm talking to you. You've heard God's voice. You focus, and you're focusing on the giants of the land. You're like me. You see the raging torrent of the Jordan River in front of you. But you know He's stirring you. He's stirring you, and it scares you a little bit. It just doesn't make sense what He's calling you to do. I would challenge you to stop listening to that bad report that keeps playing out in your mind. Take a step into the river. God is faithful, and He promises to be with you. Some of us this morning, we've heard His voice. We've felt that stirring. But we need to lay down some stuff in order to respond. We need to lay down some stuff. Take a step of faith. He's faithful to lead you. For some of us, it's something as simple as like taking a step of faith and saying, being just totally abandoned to God in worship. Some of us, that's where we're at, and that's fine. God's saying, come, take a step. Watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. Remember, guys, if He's calling you to something, 
it means he's also been working in the unseen. There is some water 16 miles away that's being stopped up right now by God, and he's preparing a way for you. Whatever the situation, whatever the stirring or the charge that God has put on your heart, take a step. Take a step. He is Emmanuel. He is with you. And he is faithful. I want to close with a verse that's been the battle cry for our church this season. And it's been the battle cry for my family as well. It's Proverbs 16.9. It'll be on the screen. We can make plans. We can make our plans. But the Lord determines our steps. Come take a step with the Lord. Say yes to his leading. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. You're not calling us to take a step of faith and we're going to be left to our own strength and our own devices. You're calling us to take a step so we could experience you more, to enjoy you more, to depend on you more, to commune with you more. You're calling us into that stuff. It's wonderful. It's good for us, Lord. And so I just pray, I would pray, God, that you would smash whatever obstacle we have put up in our minds and in our hearts that is inhibiting us from taking that step. Thank you, Lord, that you have conquered the giants across the river. Thank you that you have smashed the fortified walls. Thank you that you have prepared a way for your people to walk. And so, Lord, we humbly just say yes to you today. Grateful that you are Emmanuel, God with us. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.